Welcome to You Talk Podcast, where you talk and we listen and learn. Today, we are going to be talking with Samantha about fitness and exercise. Here are some highlights from this episode. I made the A team and he made the B team, but we, we, we practiced together. And she saw me walking and she said, no, you don't, girlfriend. And I told her, we're running too fast. And she said, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. You know, just keep running. And at the end of the workout, you feel like you've really accomplished something. But this isn't so hard. This isn't so bad. I always say, find what you love. Find what you love to do and make that your exercise. We're here today with Samantha, and she's going to talk to us about fitness and exercise. Yes. And how are you today, Samantha? Doing pretty well, thanks. Good. We're excited to have you here today. Thank you. Now, you are a personal trainer, is that right? I was a personal trainer. I no longer do that, but I was a personal trainer. And I was a certified instructor in several different fitness classes. And I also was a fitness specialist at the organization for which I worked. And so I did testing for fitness assessments, they were called, just to help people figure out where they were as far as their health. And also a lot of insurance companies will help the employees of different organizations with their insurance co-pays and things if they are at a certain level, which we defined. Oh, okay. So employers would give people incentives if they're healthy. So that's what we did a lot of the fitness testing for like major businesses in my area. Okay, I see. So what did you like about that job? I liked mainly people. I love getting to work with people. I am a people person. I like finding out what makes them tick and what their interests are, Mm -hmm. things about them. And then I like teaching And so I like to try to come up with creative ways to make it fun, to make learning fun and to make behavior modification fun. So I think those are the things I liked the most about the job. So behavior modification is probably the hard part, right? Because we all want to be fit, but it's hard to change those habits. Right, right. It, It definitely is. And I think that's where having a coach or a a trainer or someone really helps because people have a hard time motivating themselves sometimes or they'll start out really well, but then they, they lose the momentum or the motivation. And so having an instructor or someone you're accountable to, even if it's a buddy, a buddy that you exercise with or that you feel accountable to a a partner or a spouse, someone uh, I find really helps people change their behavior if they are accountable to someone besides just themselves. I think that is so true. For about two years, I had a friend who would go walking with me every day and I did great. I felt better. I was healthier. And then our lifestyles changed, our schedules changed, and we couldn't go every morning anymore. And now I rarely go. I just can't get the motivation to do it by myself. And um, (laughs) So the people that came to you, were they looking for a buddy like that, someone to motivate them? There are different aspects. I mean, people who come to my fitness classes uh, expect the instructor to motivate them. And so that's like a one-time singular thing or a continual pattern of things. Uh, Some people who would come to me as a personal trainer wanted that individual one-on-one type of motivation. And I usually found, unfortunately, that they would train with me and do really well during the training. But when the training stopped and I gave them a plan to move forward, it wasn't always as successful. Some were, but I would say more than half were not. 
They just couldn't keep it up themselves. So they needed someone outside themselves to keep them motivated. Right, right. So what ages did you work with? I worked with adults. So anywhere from young single adults to I think the oldest person I did a fitness assessment on was 77, maybe. And she she was a great older gal who just was interested in seeing where she was in her fitness level. She she was out roofing her house when she what? was 77. I know, oh, it's crazy. Wow. She's on top of the roof. <laughs> anyway, so um, there are a wide range of people who are interested in health and fitness. And some of them did it because, as I said before, some of them did it because their employment required them to have these fitness assessments if they wanted the incentives that were offered. They figured, what the heck, you know, I'll just go ahead and see what happens by having this assessment. And if I pass, I might get some money and I might get some of my insurance copay or something like that. Yeah. But some of them would do it mainly just to improve their health. Right. Uh, so it does a variety of reasons why people decide to start attending a class or hire a trainer. But isn't it expensive? Do you think that holds people back? It probably does. Probably does. But it's like anything in life, I guess. Uh, some people feel like that's worth their discretionary income. And as I said, some people didn't do it for very long, and then maybe they didn't develop the habit enough and didn't continue. But maybe that's what they could afford, and maybe it planted seeds. I don't know, you know, whether they'd come back to it later, or, or maybe some of them were able to take the things that I was trying to teach them and then keep going. So, but some people do like having a partner or a trainer or someone to tell them what to do and how to do it and to encourage them while they're doing it. So are there affordable personal trainers out there or are there organizations that provide low-cost services? Okay, well, I worked for the YMCA. Okay, so they were probably on the low end of what you would have to pay at another gym or just a personal trainer in general. They were pretty reasonable. So I bet you had a lot of people come to you then. But and we tell them at the beginning, our intent is not to have you with us long term. We're going to teach you and give you tools and, and ways and methods that you can do this on your own. Right. That makes sense. So we had packages that ranged from, say, nine session up to, I think our most was actually 17 sessions. And they were allowed to re-enroll in the sessions so they could keep going, technically, but we wanted to give as many people an opportunity. Yeah. And it takes time, and we had only about five trainers, so so we were encouraged to have them develop those skills and abilities and then move on and move forward and make it a life habit on their own. So did you have some awesome success stories of people who lost a lot of weight or got healthier? I, you know, a lot of people expect that they're going to lose all this weight, and what they don't realize is that as they get stronger and more fit, they increase muscle mass. And so a lot of times it's not a lot of pounds that they're seeing, unless they're really quite a bit overweight. It's that their body composition changes. So less fat, more muscle, which means a healthier person. Okay. And so I did have some that would lose weight, but I was the most proud of the ones that developed that better composition between the percentage of muscle and fat. So you'd have to track that somehow? That's when the assessments would come in. We would do an assessment at the beginning of the training session to see where their baseline was. And then we would together develop a program to their satisfaction and what I thought they needed and uh, then work from there. And at the end of the session, then we would do a, another assessment. And then they could see not only on paper, but usually they could tell by what their body looked like or felt or how their energy level was or 
their focus and things like that. They could tell the difference. And so, yeah. Yeah, I bet that made them feel good to see that. I was, it was quite gratifying to see people who were willing to actually put in the time. I did have some clients who felt like they had to please me and they kind of cheated. <laughs> cheated? Like like on their food and their, their food logs. We do food logs and they would be doing the food log like an hour before the session because they knew I wanted them to do it, but it, that didn't help them any because it's supposed to be a daily thing where they can kind of analyze and then I look at it and help them. But anyway, most of them were pretty good about it. And so, yeah, I think most people enjoyed it. And it was a challenge for me to try to see how I could creatively help each individual client according to his or her interests. And so that kept it new and interesting for me because I could have done the same thing with every client and it would have been kind of boring for all of us. But uh, it was kind of fun to see how I could incorporate different things and different methods and for them. So, And did you teach group classes too? I did. I taught a lot of group classes. And a lot of people find that they're motivated enough to just do that. They have a class that they know they have to be there. And then they go to that class three days a week, five days a week, however many times the class was. And I had some people who were very consistent and they did well too. So it's kind of dependent on personality and what works for you. And you find what works for you and then stick with it. So what were your favorite classes to teach? I loved group cycling. So that was just a, a fun one for me because just the energy, you've got music. Well, you've got music in most of your classes anyway, but I loved group cycling because if I had a big group, then they would kind of get going and you could kind of get them into it and then, you know, be hooping and hollering. And I don't know, it was just really kind of fun and, and the music's motivating. And at the end of the workout, you feel like you've really accomplished something. Yeah. And then on the other hand, the other class that I taught for many, many years, and I still do today is Pilates in my own home workout. I I didn't think I would like Pilates when I was first training to do it. And I just kind of did it because it was one of the things they asked us as instructors to do. And I grew to just really love it and enjoy it. I just really do like Pilates. I think it's a great core strengthening and overall body strengthening regimen. Wow. Pilates intimidates me. I think it's hard. I thought you were going to say something like teaching Zumba, you know, dancing or something. Um, I did step aerobics. I never actually did Zumba. I didn't have the hip <laughs> movement. I don't think I was, <laughs> but okay. I did do uh, step aerobics and that was fun. I'm more the sports minded kind of ability rather than the dance ability. And mm -hmm. I felt like I was more like the sporty kind of person rather than the, the rhythmic dance and beautiful dancer type person. So, okay. Well, let's talk about what drew you to this profession. Were you athletic as a child or? Well, I did love sports uh, and I had a certain aptitude for some sports. I mean, I wouldn't say I was a great athlete and I wasn't a like a all state anything, but women's or girls sports when I was younger and then women's sports as I was older were just not a part of my high school really even. So I, it was mostly things that I tried to do on my own or with my friends. And then when I was in college, I did quite a bit of intramurals. And so I enjoyed that as well. And so I wouldn't say I was by any means a gifted athlete, but I was a person who had some aptitude at a lot of different sports. N not a not great, but enough to compete and to enjoy it and maybe help a team. What was your favorite sport? Like in intramurals in college, what was your favorite? Oh, uh, probably basketball was the one I did the most and had the most success at. Yeah. 
I, I played basketball. In fact, that's kind of how I met my husband. So kind of oh. an interesting story. He was signed up for an intramural co-ed basketball team. And so was I. And we didn't actually play on the same team, though. We have to, I have to tease him because I made the A team <laughs> and he made the B team. But we, we, we practiced together. And <laughs> that's how I met him. And that's how we first started dating. So kind of a funny story. So do you still play together in different sports? Yeah, not basketball so much anymore, but yeah, we still do pickleball together and we do, we kayak. We have kayaks that we take out on the lake that's near us and we walk together. That's, you know, as you get older, you kind of change the things that you're doing, but those are some of the things that we do together now. The couple that walks together stays together. Okay. Walks together, talks together. Those rhyme. (laughs) I don't know. And communication is key, right? So, but pickleball is becoming really popular. Oh, yes. Yes. Pickleball is a growing sport. It started out seemingly as a sport for seniors, and a lot of seniors did play it, but it's catching on now with all kinds of groups. And a lot of the younger people are realizing that, hey, this can be a competitive and active sport. It's not just for people who can't move. So, yeah, my teenage sons and their friends even play it. They like it a lot. Yeah, it's fun. It's a competitive sport. It's pretty easy to learn. And it's not, not too hard to, to master a certain degree soon. And, but then it takes, I would say, a lot of uh, practice to get good, to get really good. And some people spend a lot of hours and, and it shows. And then there's some of us who you know, are, are decent, but we, we do it more for recreation than for actual going to tournaments and competition like that. So say someone has never heard of pickleball and they don't know what it is. Yeah, and there are people, despite its popularity, who still haven't heard of pickleball or have heard of it, they don't know what it is. Pickleball, I guess the best way to describe it is very similar to tennis. That would be the closest thing. It's not really anything like tennis, but it uses a a paddle instead of a racket. It's more like an enlarged ping pong paddle, I would say, kind of like that. So if tennis and ping pong got married, they would have pickleball. Pretty close, close, except that the court is actually the same size as a badminton court. So go figure, but... Um, pickleball has a net, very similar to tennis, a smaller court, a badminton court is smaller, and but pickleball is more like tennis in the nature of the way the game is played. So there's a, a net and you're hitting the ball across the net to the opposing player or team. So you can either do it in singles or doubles. A lot of similarities that way with, with tennis, but the ball is totally different. It's played with a wiffle ball that has holes in it. And so it's nothing like a tennis ball at all. But it's it's just a fast-paced, fun, fun sport. So the paddle is larger. It's larger than a ping-pong paddle, but its handle is not as long as the handle of a tennis racket, which is a long handle. Okay, but the ball is bigger than a tennis ball? No, it's about the same size. Okay. But it is just has holes in it. Oh. It's a wiffle ball. Like if you've ever seen a wiffle ball that kids learn to play baseball with when they're little. Okay. It's kind of like that. But it's made for pickleball, so it's not exactly a wiffle ball. And so why does it have holes? It slows the ball down. It's a little bit slower sport in some ways than tennis. You know, tennis... You've probably seen when you're watching Wimbledon or something, they always are telling you how fast that serve was or whatever. Um, It's a little bit slower than that. And maybe that has to do with having started out with 
with an older population? I don't know, but maybe not because actually, apparently the way this game started is they just gathered together some equipment that they had on hand. So, you know, probably had a wiffle ball on hand and some old, I think they probably started out with ping pong paddles and then a net and just started hitting stuff around and made some changes. There have been a few changes over the years. This this sport is actually pretty old. It started back in the 60s, 1966 or seven or something like that. So it's actually not a new sport, but just has surged in popularity recently in the last 10 years, I'd say. Okay. So why is it called pickleball? Because the holes in the ball make it look like a pickle? <laughs> No, there's a a legend, a folk legend, that the people who started playing pickleball had a dog named Pickles who would like to run into the game, steal the ball, and run away. But later, I heard that wasn't true, but it was the people who, who invented the game didn't mind that story being circulated because it was just so quaint or, or something. But um, I've heard another story that the wife of the man who invented it thought that it was a motley crew that all played this game for the first time at their barbecue. And she said it was something like the pickle boat in the sport of crew. And I know nothing about crew and rowing. And so something, there's a pickle boat and I don't even know what it has to do with it, but should look that up and find that out. But uh, most people stick with the pickles, the dog story because it's kind of fun. Okay, pause. I did look that up, and you are right on both those stories. It's still kind of a weird name. I mean, I think that turns some people off. They're not sure they want to really play something called pickleball, but it's actually a great sport, and it's great exercise, and people of all ages can play it and have fun and success at it. Now, you used to be a runner. Yes, I did run nine marathons, in fact, and two trail runs. So tell me about that. What made you start running marathons? The reason I started running was I had two children who were in cross country and they would run in cross country meets and the courses were three, three miles long and all over the place. So there were only certain parts of the course where you could see them and you had to run to those parts. And so as I would run to those parts, I would realize, I know I'm not running as much as they are, but this isn't so hard. This isn't so bad. And so I had a friend who also had a, a son in cross country and she started saying she was going to train for a marathon, which I thought was crazy. But then I started running with her and we did two, three, five. And the first day I did seven miles in a row, I was just like, oh my gosh, I just run seven miles in a row. Wow. And uh, so um, it kind of gave me the motivation to keep running and see how far I could go. And I ended up running in the marathon with her. Oh, cool. And um, so we ran that first one. and That's awesome. And after that, I started running with my daughter, the cross-country runner. And then we ran in marathons together. We ran in, I think, three marathons together. It was pretty fun. Now you're running with your daughter. So are we talking you were in your 30s or 40s or 50s? I must have been around in the 40s. Yeah. I haven't run for several years now because I ran so much that I kind of got to the point where my knees were not healthy from so much running. So I don't run anymore. Not like that anyway. Not the, the distance running that I was doing. That's impressive to start up a sport like marathon running in your 40s. Yeah, again, that's a sport that's become very popular too. And I will say, if you train, you can run a marathon. Almost anyone can. You might have to walk some of it and you might not be very fast. But if you've got some stick to then you can do it. And it's just a matter of wanting to do it. And so... So when I'm 80 years old, I can start running a marathon? <laughs> there, you'd be surprised. There were runners who were well into their senior years who were running marathons. And again, some of them were even fast. 
and some of them were not, but they still, they still did it. So I had a certain goal. I wanted to run a marathon under four hours, which is like an average marathon. And I was able to do that for all, all nine of my marathons. And so I was pretty excited about that. Well, that's good. Yeah. Not like my daughter who managed to get a sub three hour marathon. So, yeah. But she was a couple of decades younger. Yeah, she, she was younger, but still that was, that's pretty, pretty fast. So she's pretty impressive. But she she helped me to get my fastest time ever that I had in a marathon was she kind of paced me. Okay, so you must have some interesting marathon stories. Do you want to share some with us? So this is a story that happened to me when I was running a marathon in North Carolina. And it was kind of a, a hard marathon. I don't remember exactly why I trained like I had trained for all the rest of them. But um, towards the end of the marathon, I think I had two and a half miles left, probably. I got a horrible, horrible cramp in my calf. And it was almost like there was a snake in my calf just curling in the back. It was really strange. And I I could not run. I had to stop. I had to stop and just try to stretch it out and try to to walk a little bit. And so that because it was so awful, I probably hadn't drunk enough water or something uh, at that point. So I was walking along. And along comes another runner, a woman with her husband, and the finish line was like a mile and a half away by this point. And she saw me walking and she said, no, you don't, girlfriend. (laughs) And I was just like, what? (laughs) What? She said, you are not walking. And I thought, oh, yes, I am. I'm just going (laughs) to walk all the rest of the way because my calf hurts because I had a cramp. And she said, no, you're going to run with us. And they had been running much faster, she and her husband, and um, much faster clip. And he actually did run up ahead, but she stayed with me and she said, come on, you're going to run, you're going to run. And she was helping me. And the thing is with, with these marathons is that you you run in age divisions and you're awarded places according to your age division. And this woman looked like she was about the same age as I was. And so here she is helping her competition Mm -hmm. run and finish the race. And so I started running and I still couldn't run as fast as she could because I felt injured. But um, I, I did run. I finished the race running and she finished the race running just a little bit ahead of me. Mm. But I always thought that that was really a good measuring stick of what a true runner is about. You know, they're running for their own enjoyment and to help others or whatever, and not necessarily Mm -hmm. just to beat somebody. Not just to win. And she actually, and not just to win. And she actually did, she was just a little bit younger than I was, just Mm -hmm. a few years younger. So she was in a different division and she did win her division. Oh, good. And then I can't remember whether I came in second or third in my division. Wow. But so I always felt like her helping me that last mile was just like a a testament to the character of a runner Mm -hmm. that we're, you know, actually pretty good people, some of us, or some of them. I don't know. So Yeah, and that's kind of a metaphor to life, even having someone cheer you on. (gasps) I kind of treasure that story. I guess there's another story from my marathon days when I was running with my daughter, and we ran together quite a bit during a, a couple of summers. When she would come home from college, we would train, and then the marathon would be in the fall. So we ran a couple of marathons together. Yeah. And during that particular race, we started out, and you always the, the rule is don't start out too fast. But everyone always does because they're so <laughs> full of adrenaline that it's just 
just hard not to to feel that wanting to surge. And you feel really good because in the weeks preceding a marathon, you start to taper. And so you're not running as many miles. Mm. And so you just feel like you could run forever. And, and because you've built up a base, but you're tapering and not running as much because you're saving yourself for the final event. So we started out too fast. And I knew we were starting out too fast because we always wear watches and, mm. and know what our splits are for the different miles. And I told her, we're running too fast. And she said, Oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. You know, just keep running. And we did run really fast for about, oh, probably 10 miles. And I just kept saying, oh, I know we're running too fast. So we slowed down a little bit, but we were still running faster than I wanted to. And about mile 17, and mind you, a marathon is 26 miles. So, Mm -hmm. you you know, you're not done by Mm -hmm. any means. Right about mile 17, I just had this this breakdown. I just, I just stopped. And I started walking and I started crying. (gasps) I know. It's fun. Like I said, it's funny now. But at the point, I was just exhausted. It was emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted. I said, I cannot run this fast. And and she said, oh, it's okay, mom. We'll walk. And so, and then she started to try to take my mind off of things. And we walked for probably five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then when we started up again, she let me go at my pace and not hers because she was... I used to call her the little filly because she ran so fast. <laughs> but um, I remembered just that last probably four miles just thinking, will this ever end? Because mm-hmm. she was making me run again a little bit faster than I wanted to. But by then I didn't feel like I could break down again or I would have right. a basket yeah. case in front of my daughter. Mm-hmm. So, but that was my fastest time ever. And Wow. Even with the walking. Even with the walking. Oh, yeah. I, even with the walking, it was my fastest time. And, hmm. and. And um, so I owed that finish to my my daughter. So having someone spur you on really makes a difference. Yeah. Hmm. In fact, she did that to me. I just thought of another time when she had done that to me. We did a what was called a trail run. So the trail runs are actually done on a trail in the mountains. And the one we did together was a 30K, which is about a little over 18 miles. Mm-hmm. And so that was a great one, too. She stayed with me on that one. The next year she did it, she won the whole thing for the women. Wow. So, yeah, I was way behind. But uh, that first year she did run with me. She was a quite a trooper because she was awful fast and she managed to just be my coach and, mm. and my pacer. But uh, on that particular trail run, I can remember I wanted to have a good time. And so we came to this part where there's a, a bridge, which was just a log over a stream. Mm-hmm. And... So I think I'm going to I'm going to just race across that log. Well, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I raced a little too fast and ended up in, in the, the water. water. <laughs> and my daughter I was on the other side and she just laughed. <laughs> I remember I was so mad. It's probably funny. <laughs> it was funny to her. But unfortunately, it wasn't that funny for me because then your feet are wet and then that's oh. no fun to run. But the last 5 miles were the the hardest because it was on a road which was just endless, just an endless gravel road. But she again stayed with me. And then I can still remember she was promising me a Dairy Queen blizzard. <laughs> Come on, mom, we get all, we have a Dairy Queen blizzard. I promise you can have the biggest size and everything. It's kind of like a role reversal where the child is bribing the mother with ice cream. And usually it's the other way around. <laughs> exactly. Because she was the stronger runner. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't uh, urge her on because she would have been way in front of me. So she was uh, 
just my my champion and and she got me through that race too and we managed to I said I only want to make sure that I run through the finish line and so mm-hmm. we did we ran through the finish line and but it was kind of fun so I did run one I I ran several marathons with her but one other marathon she stayed with me for like 20 of the 26 miles and I could wow. see that she still had a lot left in her tank and so I said go Go, go ahead of me, go ahead. And she sprinted on up ahead and finished quite a bit ahead of me, Mm -hmm. even though we'd already run 20 miles. And Mm -hmm. so she was, she was quite my role model for running. And she still runs today. Oh, good. Uh, She's not doing marathons anymore right now. She's kind of busy with children being a mom, but so she runs half marathons right now. In fact, she just told me she got a new treadmill because she'd run the other one into the ground. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, so tell me, what is the motivation to run marathons like that? Is it the runner's high? Is it just the exercise? I think um, when I first started out, it was just, I think I said before, it was to follow my kids in cross country. But then it was just so, just so uh, I don't know, validating to be able to set a goal of a certain number of miles and then to complete it and feel like you had done something really worthwhile and something that not everyone could do or something that you didn't think you yourself could do. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I can see where it would be fun to do something you didn't think you could do. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was that setting a goal and then to actually run the marathon. uh, Again, it was having a goal and it kept you training. It kept you excited about what was to come about the event the culmination of all that running. Something to look forward to. And they're fun. I mean, it's a lot of work and it's it's hard work. And it's, as, as I said before, I broke down and cried in the middle of one of them. But um, when you finish, it's just like, it's just like a feeling of, wow, I did it. Yeah. I ran 26.2 miles. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And that is quite an accomplishment. That's something to be proud of. So it's never too late. That's right. Who knows? Maybe I'll start running. Right. And you don't have to run a marathon. Okay. I think your life is better when you're feeling like you can get out and move. My big thing now is I have grandchildren. I have 13 grandchildren. And I jump on the trampoline with them. And I climb in their forts with them. And I play soccer with them. And I play basketball with them. And my greatest uh, compliment, I guess, is when one of my grandsons said, she's not old because I do all these things with them and their other grandmother is not able to. So that's what my goal is, is to enjoy life with my family and my friends. And one of the ways I do that is through being active and doing Mm -hmm. active things and and feeling like I can do the things I want and I'm not stymied by physical abilities. Right. So be honest, how much time do you have to devote to exercise each day to stay physically fit when you're older, like middle age? Uh, What's middle age anymore? Well, I don't know. I mean, 60 is a new 50 and 50 is a new 40, right? That's right. That's right. And so do you fall in that middle age category? I am 61. Wow. You look very good for 61. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) So how does one get fit or stay fit? If you've stayed healthy your whole life or tried to at least be healthy, then it's not as hard to just continue that. But if you say you're 55 and suddenly decide you're going to get fit, it's going to be a little bit harder and you're going to want to start off slowly so that you don't hurt yourself. You don't get burned out and you can stick to it. But I can't say, you know, a certain time because it's going to be individual for each person. 
But I think most health professionals would probably recommend at least 30 to 60 minutes of moderate movement or exercise a day. And, and that can be walking. That can be walking vigorously between the lunchroom in your office or taking the stairs at work or, you know, those kinds of things all count toward your exercise. Yeah, I could do that, I guess. Because I know many people don't have the luxury. I'm retired, so I have the luxury of, of kind of doing play or exercising or on my own schedule. But you have to learn to work it into your daily life somehow and make it a part of your life. Make your exercise an appointment that you keep, just like you would keep a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment. You keep your appointments with exercise. And you see a lot of people with their Fitbit and they're taking the stairs instead of the elevator and maybe parking farther away at the store. Parking far away and yeah, parking far, walking the dog, you know, and Those kinds of things, they all count and they're all good, healthy ways to keep it going. So tell us what your typical day is like. How do you fit exercise into your day? Well, and as I said, I'm retired, so it's not nearly as difficult for me to fit my exercising in because I have a little more wiggle room in my schedule. But I try to do my exercising early because sometimes if you put it off, you get too tired, things get in the way, something comes up. And that's why I say for people, they need to schedule it especially people who don't have the luxury of a lot of free time like I do, they need to schedule their exercise, whether it's in the morning early before you go to work or if it's on your lunch hour. I have a son who actually takes his running clothes and he runs during his lunch hour and he does have the luxury of having a shower at his work, which is nice. But Ah, nice. You know, he does do that on his lunch hour, so he gets that in. And uh, other people will take a class or go to the gym at night or whatever. But still, it has to be a scheduled thing, I think. It's something that helps you to work it in, even when maybe the day is busy or whatever. And I do that. Even when I'm going on vacation, that's the hardest time, I think, when I go to visit grandkids or whatever. I have to think of, again, the creativity comes in ways that I can get my exercise in because I'm not around my exercise equipment at home and I don't always get to play my pickleball when I'm on vacation or whatever. So I I do a lot of different kinds of things to make sure that I get the activity level that I'm accustomed to without compromising those things that I want to do. So what do you do? Go walk with the grandkids? Go play ball? Right. Like I said, I, I will I will walk with the grandkids. I'll push the stroller, you know, and push in the stroller. I will take them to the park and then run around the park with them. And they love to play tag. In fact, the playground equipment is made for kids. And so it's almost harder for an adult to do it. Yeah. So it's more <laughs> work. But I do that and I, you know, push them and I do underdogs with the swings so that I'm running underneath them and pushing them and, you know, do all kinds of things. All those things are in place of my maybe more traditional exercise or my weightlifting or my my Pilates, but I still get my workouts in that way. Makes you a really fun grandma. Yeah, well, like I said, that's my joy. My joy is to be able to relate with my kids on that level, my grandkids. I'm sure they love that. Well, I hope so. So I guess it's safe to say that exercise is a really important part of your life. Well, it's a big part of my day. Yeah? Tell us about it. I plan my exercise to fit in the little pockets of time that I have during a day and make sure that I get it in. And my goal is to get 15,000 steps a day. And so towards the end of the day, if I don't have that, my husband will find me jogging in place (laughs) in front of the television because I want to get my 15,000 steps. I'm a very, like, a person who likes to keep the streak going. Mm -hmm. And so if I have... 
a record number mm-hmm. of days that I've done a certain amount of steps, then I want to keep that going. And so... So do you have a Fitbit or something? Yeah, I have a, a tracker. It's mm-hmm. actually another brand yeah. name, but yes. And so, yeah. And and it's funny because my son has now purchased an Apple Watch and he was never really into fitness much before, mm-hmm. but apparently there's like, I don't know, those of you who have Apple Watches know they're like the three circles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's just like obsessed with getting those three rings on his his watch and it keeps advancing his goals so that he's got to do more and more (laughs) and he's done it for over a year now and he hasn't broken his streak and it's just really kind of humorous to watch him you know because he's become his mother which he used to make fun of (laughs) but now he has to get his goals every single day because he doesn't want to break his streak and he even says to me it's that Apple Watch, that dang Apple Watch. <laughs> well, yay for technology, right? It keeps us fit. Yes, I guess it does work for some things. Do you go to the gym every day or do you have fitness equipment at home? Yes, I have very limited, but I, I do use it. I have some hand weights and I have a BOSU ball. BOSU ball? BOSU ball. It's a half ball. It's not used as much. It was kind of popular probably 15 years ago. There, uh, we did all kinds of aerobic types of exercise on it. It's a half ball with a flat bottom and you can jump on it and it helps you with balance and stability because you have to really use your core to maintain your balance on top of a dynamic surface that's mm-hmm. moving. And so... I quite like the Bosu half ball. And then I have a an exercise bike, which I like to ride too. And I do Pilates and that doesn't take anything mm. but a mat. So I do that at home. And I also have just a, a little piece of weight equipment mm-hmm. that is quite versatile. It's not very, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's like a bench, but it, it's not really a bench. It, it has some bands and then as a sliding bench. I use that quite a bit for weights, so I do free weights and with this little bench that uh, you can use the resistance bands on. Mm-hmm. And I like to make up my own exercises with that, and I found quite a few that weren't included actually with it that I can use mm-hmm. in various ways to uh, exercise. So I do all those things at home, and then I jump on the trampoline even. You know? Oh, the trampoline. Yeah, the trampoline. I mean, that's that's great exercise, and then I do it with the grandkids, and so it's even better. Yeah. It's uh, multitasking, getting to spend time with the grandkids, but also getting my steps in and getting my cardio (laughs) in. And Uh so it's all good. I always say, find what you love, find what you love to do and make that your exercise. And and so. Sounds like your whole family exercises. Uh, uh, Some of us do. (laughs) <laughs> there's some okay. that don't do it so as much and but um i think my whole family likes sports mm-hmm. and so sports can be good exercise too yeah so even ping pong we play ping pong oh, yeah. in our family yeah i like ping so, pong yeah ping pong can actually be pretty good exercise okay well what kind of exercises would you recommend to your elderly parents for instance it does get harder i mean and as i said if you've done it all along it's easier but Accommodations can be made to varying fitness levels. You know, there are things like chair exercises that older adults do. And if they're able to do them out of the chair, they do. And if they're not, then they sit in the chair. And and 
A lot of older adults like to dance, and that's a that's a great exercise. Swimming is awesome because some people have maybe gained a few extra pounds or whatever, and the water is buoyant and it kind of takes that limitation away from you. Right. And so there are those kinds of things, but it's a matter of finding what you enjoy and what you will do, and then sticking to it. Some people like to do it in front of their television at home. You know, they can find the videos or programs or lots of different things that they do. But it's, again, it's all about finding the thing that motivates you, that you enjoy doing. Because if you don't enjoy doing it, it just becomes a job, a chore, work, and you won't do it. So I just recommend people go to a gym or to their local YMCA. <laughs> a little plug for the Y there. Or uh, online. Now, there's so many things online. And you can find so much or get get some recommendations from your physician, maybe. But it's never too late to start doing something for your health. Now, why is it that it is so important for seniors to start exercising or to keep exercising? Well, I think probably for the same reasons everyone. It helps you live a better, higher quality of life. And uh, socially, it usually provides opportunities to keep those social connections strong and to be healthy in various areas of, of your life. Yeah, yeah, those are good reasons. Flexibility. Flexibility, yes. Flexibility and balance is another big one. And strength, because just getting out of a, off of a sofa requires some strength, you know, some core strength and some leg strength. And so if you've got those, those habits already or or trying to develop them, then it's going to help you in your activities of daily living much longer and you'll have a higher quality of life. Yeah. Okay. So any final words of encouragement to those of us out here who might need a little motivation to start exercising? (laughs) I would just say, find something you love and there is something for every person. Even if you think you hate to exercise, you can find something that it's not really exercise as labeled as such. Like I said, a lot of people, they just like to dance. And um, I, I was telling you earlier that uh, sometimes I floss, do the floss. It's a, it's a dance for kids. And I do that for exercise sometimes, you know, it's kind of crazy. It sounds really silly, but. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about your teeth there for a minute. I was thinking, well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, my floss, yes. No, yeah. That's in the floss is a good way to ramp up your heartbeat if you're doing it fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can do all kinds of different things like that. You can jog in place if that floats your boat. So. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today, Samantha. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share. Enjoyed talking with you. Likewise, and keep up the good work out. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Utah Podcast. We hope you'll join us again. And by the way, we would love to have you as our guest on Utah Podcast. If you would like to tell your story in a full-length episode, please email us at utahpodcast at gmail.com. We also welcome your thoughts about this episode and any experiences you might like to share with our listeners. Just Skype an audio message to our username, utalkpodcast at gmail.com. Please use a good USB mic if possible. Thanks. Can't wait to hear from you.